This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week six of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. And you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into it. Can I say what a Monday night football game? Yeah, um, Lamar Jackson. Holy cow. Especially with as injured as the Ravens are. A lot of people, myself included, was really questioning, can he be a complete quarterback? And by that, I mean, you know, hang in the pocket, make the plays, drive a team down the field, you know, big comeback win as well. Um, I think this was a huge statement game for Lamar Jackson and his just development as a quarterback. So there were so many Monday night miracles made from this game. We had Jonathan Taylor with a huge game. I know you uh, basically needed him not to score 50 points. He only scored, I think, 36. So not quite all the way there, but still a damn good game, including a 75-yard touchdown pass, I think uh, 76 maybe, on a swing pass essentially that he took to the house. He is an impressive running back. Out of that class last year that included Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's underperformed, DeAndre Swift, who's been kind of up and down at times, but looks to be one of the better ones. And then we had the injuries with Dobbins and Akers. Realistically, I don't know if there's a better back coming out of that class than Jonathan Taylor. And he ended up going number two in our draft. Yeah, he is kind of, you know, towards the last year, he, you feel like he kind of turned a corner. Early on in this year, I think I was a little harder on him as well because he had so many goal line looks and just was not getting into the end zone but he was an underrated pass catcher coming into the league. I'll admit that as well. He has looked really, really well catching the, or looked really, really good catching the football. Um, and I think it's going to continue. You kind of just got to get the ball to that type of guy as any way you can, because he's very, very good in open fields. I was very concerned coming into this year with the amount of questions that were happening around Carson Wentz and his capability. And then with the Colts' offensive line issues, as well as what this offense was going to be with a completely new structure to it. Going back to last year, you would have thought about halfway through the year, Jonathan Taylor was a bust on even this show. And then he turned that corner. I think similarly, he's an elite player once he gets into the right situations and the Colts are just starting to find their footing on offense and he could be an elite back again. I would definitely move him up in my overall dynasty rankings going forward. So let's go to the Ravens part of it. You mentioned Lamar Jackson already. I heard a crazy stat the other day that he is actually accounted for more total offense by himself than 18 other teams in the NFL so far through five weeks. That's absolutely insane. He is top five in passing. He also broke the record on Monday Night Football for most yards thrown for. So I think he's the only one to have completed 85% of his passes in a game he threw for over 400 yards. And all that from a guy who was supposed to be a running back. 
Yeah, he's just a running back. I feel like everyone was hard on him. I feel like I was hard on him as well. Not as hard as the national media, but you know, it's 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 good to see somebody improve year after year and kind of take up what you thought they could be. You know, he he hung in the pocket really well at Louisville. Like he's never been one that's just like I'm gonna run first and then think about passing, but just how comfortable he looks in the pocket, just waiting for windows to open and just tossing the ball right in. He is just much improved. I would say one of the things that I found the most promising about his Monday night performance and realistically his last couple of weeks is how effective he's been throwing outside the numbers. To this point in his career, he hadn't been particularly great nor accurate throwing outside the numbers. Most of his production had come over the middle, and so teams could really play him that way. But especially in the fourth quarter the other night, he was incredibly good at throwing the ball outside the numbers. He had a long touchdown to Hollywood Brown, who's been impressive this year and realistically could make a case as being an elite number one if he's going to continue that type of presence with a quarterback. But let me do just a quick name game. Over the next 10 years, quarterback-wise, I'm going to give you a list of guys and you say whether you want Lamar Jackson or this person. So Patrick Mahomes. I still think you take Patrick Mahomes. I think so too, but it's getting closer, especially with the rushing four. And again, it's just the next 10 years. If we went 15, I think it's a guarantee that it's Patrick Mahomes because I think he has a little bit better longevity being a pocket passer, although Lamar's being a better pocket passer this year does give you a little bit of pause on that. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I still think you take Josh Allen. I think so too, just because I think he's more sturdy and he does add enough of a rushing element that I I would probably go that way as well. Kyler Murray. See, this is where it starts to get hard. And uh, the Josh Allen one was tough, but this, this one might be even, I feel like I would be okay taking either or, and I'm just going to move ahead for you. I think this is where it ends for me. I think he is in that echelon with those, kind of top three type of guys. But if you were to offer me Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, I would be happy taking either or. I think that's probably where I would be at as well. I might put Justin Herbert in that category as well with how he's looked so far. But I I think with what we've seen from the heights of Lamar and his great season two years ago and the amount of points he can put up just from a leg standpoint, I mean, he is one of only two quarterbacks to ever run for a thousand yards in a season. I would say that uh, ultimately you can um, safely put him in that category where, okay, over the next 10 years, these are the guys that are going to rule the NFL. And I don't think it's going to be that early season slump we had last year, probably from his Madden curse. Uh, So then as far as Mark Andrews, he has, I think it was 12 catches or some, ridiculous number like that for 147 yards, two touchdowns and two, two point conversions in this game. He ends up with the number one fantasy tight end for the week. And I think he's the number two fight t- uh, fantasy tight end overall at this point uh, due to that one game. He's been okay, but that game, he was elite. Where do we put him now in relation to being the number one target or at worst, the number two target with a highly prolific passing quarterback in Lamar Jackson at this point. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to throw him in there because uh, Rashard Bateman is coming back and he is going to 
he's going to demand targets. Like he's just going to, it's going to take obviously a couple of weeks to get him integrated into the offense, but they took him as high as they did in the draft for a reason. So I do think that is going to hurt Mark Andrews potential a little bit, but it's also a tight end. You know what I mean? It's I, once someone figures him out, please let me know, but I am not up to the task to try to figure out the tight ends in the NFL. I think he's on the cusp of that elite tight end status. He's had some higher highs than like TJ Hawkinson has this year, but I obviously you're not putting him above Kelsey. And do you think he can keep up realistically uh, above like a Darren Waller who's been inconsistent so far this season? I don't know about that either, but with the amount of tight ends that have not been performing, you know, this could be one where he cements himself as an easy top five candidate. I thought he was top five to begin the year to begin with, just because we hadn't seen it completely out of a uh, Kyle Pitts just yet. Although he had a great week this last week as well. Uh, I think that you're starting to round into shape that Hawkinson, maybe Pitts, although Dalton Schultz is, I think is number three on the year for tight ends and Dawson Knox isn't too very far behind that you're getting kind of the top 10 tight ends rounded into shape so far this year. Finally, I, another player I just wanted to quickly mention, uh, Hollywood Brown. I, I, I talked about him a little bit before, but this has become almost an every week thing. He's almost becoming a 20 point a week guy because he's the deep threat for Lamar Jackson. And he seems to be catching touchdowns all the time. Has he safely cemented himself inside of not only fantasy lineups, but at worst a wide receiver two at this point? Yeah, I feel like you could safely say that if I'm plugging in, uh... Hollywood Brown into my lineup, I feel pretty comfortable about it. Yeah, the consistency has been there so far this year, and I definitely would not have said that coming in. He was a guy I was staying away from in most of my drafts, so this is a complete surprise as far as I'm concerned. All right, so moving off of the Monday night football game, let's go to week six then. What are you most looking forward to this week? Packers bears. Honestly, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to it. You kind of throw the records out of the way and watch some pretty decent, uh, pretty decently good football. So Packers bears is kind of what I'm excited for. Especially if green Bay wins on the road in Chicago, they basically put away the division early. They've got a two and a half game lead essentially. And the road game, it would be very hard for any of the teams that are currently behind them to make a good run unless Green Bay all of a sudden kind of like falls apart. So I I think that this could be an early statement game for them. If the Bears somehow win this, it kind of opens up the division. So it's a very interesting division game. I agree with you on that point. But I I looked at two other games personally. Uh, After Monday night and, for that matter, the afternoon of Sunday, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know if there's anything more exciting right now than the Chargers going against the Ravens. I think that game is going to be absolutely fun, fun, and fun with a capital F. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get into that game a little bit more later. But um, yeah, as a preview, you're absolutely right. It's going to be a good one. I'll give you a third nominee just off the top of my head that one I thought you might nominate, but Cleveland and Arizona is kind of an underrated game. Cleveland has at times given up a lot of points, but they can really slash you on the ground. I don't know if it'll turn into the barn burner that we got last week with uh, the Chargers, but that could be a fun one as well up there in the dog pound. Upset of the week, I have the Vikings at the Panthers. The Panthers are oddly giving a uh, point away at home, 
given their two tough losses in a row against Dallas and then against the Eagles last week where they kind of imploded on the road, the Vikings have not really played that well the last couple of weeks, in my opinion, and the Panthers have a tough defense. So I think this is one where they win the game at home and re-cement themselves as at least a team that could maybe sneak their way into the playoffs. Give me the Panthers plus one. What is your upset of the week? Yeah, my upset of the week is the same as my game of the week, and that is Arizona at Cleveland. And I'm going to take Arizona plus three over Cleveland, but I'm, I think they win this football game. It's really kind of one of those things as does Arizona keep rolling? They're five and zero right now. I right or for sure five and zero right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. And then Cleveland, Cleveland is trying to find out who they are right now. They lost a just a terrible, heartbreaking game last week. Like how you lose that type of football team, especially with the aspirations that that football team has. They're looking to bounce back. And unfortunately, you have to play an Arizona team that's really hot right now, and that offense is just moving. I don't think they get it done. I'm going to take Arizona over Cleveland. Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray in clutch situations? Give me Kyler Murray. I think this game could come down to the fourth quarter and a couple of close possessions. And we like to see the guy that's already proven that he can do it, as opposed to the guy who has yet to show us anything. All right, so let's get a little start sit. This is for standard 10-team half PPR standard settings. All right, first one up for me, Kirk Cousins versus the Carolina Panthers. Kirk Cousins has not been good these last two weeks, especially these last two weeks. And now going up against his Carolina defense with now Stephon Gilmore and then C.J. Henderson on top of that, a week in, like now they know the defense. They kind of got to figure it out. Yeah, no. Uh, sit Kirk Cousins, for the love of God. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a particularly good game for the Minnesota Vikings. I It's the reason I picked the upset, but Carolina's defense, particularly in the secondary and their pass defense, has been really, really good so far this year. And most teams have had to really run the ball against them, a lot of short passing, tight end usage in order to beat them. I just don't think this is going to be Kirk Cousins' week. I think right now the Panthers have only allowed like 158 yards uh on average per game so far. So if you're going to do something, you're going to have to run the football. And that just means taking it out of Kirk Cousins' hands. This is not a week that I would start him. Let's go to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton versus the Las Vegas Raiders. For me, I feel like you know what you're going to get with Tim Patrick. You know, he's going to get you about 8 to 15 points. And if you're okay with that, then you're okay with that. Cortland Sutton is kind of the boomer the bus, boomer bus guy here. What Las Vegas Raiders team are we going to get? Are they going to be broken after the tough week that they have? Or is it going to bring the team together? <sighs> Something like this, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Corlin Sutton, I feel like if you want to take the risk, yeah, absolutely. If you want the sure thing, take Tim Patrick. I think Tim Patrick it might be the more sure of the two. I would agree with you. I would say his range is more like 8 to 12 on a given week than it's 8 to 15, unless he somehow scores a touchdown. But Cortland Sutton, I think, is number two in the NFL in air yards per game. So he's getting a lot of deep passes, and you know he's going to be matched up poorly against a Vegas Raiders team that is actually pretty good against the pass. How you beat them is a lot of the middle of the field stuff against linebackers with tight ends and running the football. And we saw that with uh, one of their last games against the Bears and against the Chargers, that you could beat them in both regards. 
I don't know if this is necessarily a game that I like either of these guys to play. If I have to play one, I go with the the more opportunity or the higher ceiling with Cortland Sutton, just because as you put it, I don't know what Raiders team is going to show up. Their talisman got fired unceremoniously on Monday night football where they cut into the game. And it was this shocking thing and the fallout all week of everybody talking about it yet. Who knows? I, I, if you get a Raiders team that just doesn't show up and has no fight in them, maybe the, the Denver Broncos just roll over them. And we have a, another one of these up and down games where starting somebody like Kurt, Cortland Sutton isn't a bad thing. I just don't know. On a week-to-week basis, you don't know which Cortland Sutton you're going to get. All right, Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson versus Green Bay. You know, even though some would say that this matchup is pretty favorable, and I kind of agree that it, it, it is, that we all know the Green Bay Packer defensive backfield isn't at full strength. I'm still not there with the Bears wide receivers, especially Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney had that one really, really great game, and I think that's kind of where he's at. He's a boomer bust type of a guy as well. Uh, They're both sits for me. I'm not usually very confident in Packers wins or being better than other teams, but with Justin Fields as a rookie starter going against a defense that likes to vary its looks, particularly pre or post-snap, I just don't think that he's going to fare well enough to be able to take advantage of the Green Bay defense in ways that it's particularly weak at the moment. We also don't know who's going to be starting and or sitting for Green Bay on defense yet. I just don't think that with the way they've played that they're going to give up huge big shot plays or uh, stuff that's in the passing game, really. I think how you're going to have to do this is grind the football out run the ball a lot left to right. And unfortunately it looks like Damian Williams is out for this game with uh, I can't remember what exactly, but if he's going to be out, Khalil Herbert ends up becoming the starter. They're only going to have one true back on this team with Justin Fields. So I don't know exactly what the bears offense is going to look like, but I just don't feel confident enough because they've had to run the football basically to have any success the last two weeks. And the offense still has not been the one to carry it carry them. It's been the defense. I'm not putting these guys into my lineup unless I really need a boomer bust game. Uh, AJ Dillon versus the Chicago bears. For me, the I guess the question is, do you think he's going to score a touchdown? And I think that he could score a touchdown, but I don't really think this is a, a surefire start. I say AJ Dillon scores a touchdown. So start. Aaron Jones has been nursing something the last few weeks. Uh, they're clearly going to slow play his role until later in the year as they have the last couple of years. I think that AJ Dillon has actually proven to be a very capable pass catcher in this offense as well. So more than likely to me, I think he's, he's had uh, at least 75 scrimmage yards the last two games and at least been flex viable. This might actually be a start if you weren't going against the Bears. Uh, That defense has been pretty good so far, and it's been really tough sledding trying to run the football on that team as it goes. I just don't know if that uh, going against that defense, if I'd want to make this start from a guy who's still considered the backup. Michael Pittman versus the Houston Texans. Michael Pittman had a very, very good game this last game. Of course, more than half of his yards came off of one play. That being said, he is the number one option for sure in Indianapolis going up against a not very good team. 
my only issue is is he kind of going to get flushed out because of the game script because they're going to be up i don't really know if indianapolis is that good to get to that point so i have talked myself into michael Pittman starting against the texans from what the Colts showed on Monday night and the volume of targets he's had recently, I think he's a start for me. Houston's not nearly as bad as they were on defense last year, but also the Colts are a little bit better on offense than they have been the last few weeks when they were really suffering due to Carson Wentz's plethora of injuries. I think this is a more confident start for me right now just because of how he's recently played and how this offense has started to step up. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, or Rondale Moore versus Cleveland? You know, one of these guys is the right answer. The question is, which one? So I would probably say it's more likely one of the outside guys because of how uh, Cleveland matched up last week against the Chargers. I don't know, especially with Max Williams uh, now going to be out for the season, or at least looks like he's going to be out for the season. I just don't think they're going to throw the ball a lot underneath. So I would probably go AJ green in this one. If I were to guess um, for me, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to go Rondell Moore just because I think they're trying to get him more involved in the offense more and more. He's making plays down the field as well, but he's kind of someone that you dial up plays for. And I can kind of see them using that to take advantage of this Cleveland Browns team. That's kind of reeling at this point. So uh, I'm going to take Rondell Moore for the start. I think Arizona is going to dial up a game plan similar to that of the Chargers and Chiefs that have really been able to take advantage of what uh, Cleveland's doing on defense in a way that the Vikings couldn't. So I I expect that there's at least going to be two, if not three guys that are going to be viable out of this team this week. I think it's more of one guy is going to be the odd man out as opposed to multiples. All right, then let's move to Marvin Jones and LaVishka Chenault versus the Miami Dolphins. You know, the matchup is there, right? Miami is pretty terrible against opposing wide receivers, but we're talking about the Jaguars here. I guess I'm going to go with Chenault because he has kind of been someone that's been pretty consistent in that offense. But the matchup, like I said, the matchup is there. So I'm going to go with Chenault. Yeah, the Dolphin defense is not nearly what it was last season. So I actually like both of them, uh, potentially, if you need somebody that's like a flex viable under underdog starter this week. Uh, I actually like uh, Jones as the more consistent guy for like a DFS play. But I think both of these guys are startable. I know I said that last week and they didn't necessarily perform against the the Titans, but Boy, with the way that the Dolphins have been playing lately, I just don't see the same effort level that we were getting last year when they were almost in the playoffs. Uh, Kadarius Tony versus the Los Angeles Rams. I guess my question is, because I don't really follow the Giants news all that much, is Sterling Shepard still? I think he's practicing now, and apparently Evan Ingram is also healthy, but Kenny Galladay is definitely going to be out for this game. Well, that makes it a little bit easier. With those guys still out, he's an obvious start for me because they got to throw the ball to somebody. But if they were all back, I do think that he is an emerging talent in that offense. I just need to see it all kind of working together, how all the targets kind of separate. But for this week, I'm going to start him. For me, this is based on whether Daniel Jones starts or not. I know Tony had a good game with, uh, gosh, who is the backup quarterback? He used to, Mike Glennon. That's who was playing last week against Dallas. 
I know he did well with Mike Glennon after Daniel Jones left the game. I just don't see that being the case when Jalen Ramsey is patrolling the field for the Rams. And for that matter, when uh, Aaron Donald is bearing down on you, Mike Glennon gets happy feet. So if Daniel Jones is playing, this might be a viable start for me, but if he's not, I probably sit Tony given where you probably had him this week by uh, a pickup on your team. Julio Jones, AJ Brown versus the Buffalo defense. It's a tough defense, man. Yeah. It's a very tough defense, um, especially in the passing game. I do think that Tennessee is going to try to run the ball down Buffalo's throat. So it's going to be a sit for both of those guys for me. I think it's going to be a Derrick Henry type of a game. I can't bring myself to sit AJ Brown, particularly because you're not going to have a whole lot of better options, but I'm definitely setting Julio Jones. Uh, I guess AJ Brown's too big a name for me to sit because he, this is just on the off chance that you get unlucky and this is the game he breaks out. But I would agree with you that this is not a strong matchup. This has not been a strong play so far this season. And they've disappointed so far enough that I, if it weren't, such a big name like A.J. Brown, I would probably be with you. Miles Gaskin, Mike Gusecki, and Jalen Waddle versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do think Gusecki has a really, really good matchup this week in against Jacksonville. Out of those three, he would be the one that I start, but it's tough to trust him because he's burned millions of people. I think this is an uh, a game where if they finally give opportunities to Miles Gaskin, if he's actually going to be on the field, that he might be a viable starter. But can you really trust that with how the Dolphins' offense has gone? The, my problem with the other two guys is uh, apparently Tua Tagovailoa might be back this week, and Mike Gusecki does not play well or not get targeted a lot when Tua is on the field. So if that's going to be the case, I just don't know if I start any of these guys, even in a good matchup, because I don't know what this offense is going to look like if two is on the field. Uh, Jacoby Myers versus Dallas this week. You know, the Dallas uh, secondary is much better than it was last year, but they're still not a top tier defensive backfield where you fear them. The question is, is Mac Jones protected enough? Because the front of the Dallas Cowboy defense is what's very good. I, I don't. I don't think he's protected enough. So for that reason, I do think that Myers is a sit this week. I think he's a sit this week because realistically, Dallas has been able to pick on younger quarterbacks that aren't as experienced that can really break them down. They've been able to play a very good, consistent defense where they're more physical. They can overpower you with a lot of guys. So for me, it's probably a sit as well. Finally, Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall versus the Minnesota Vikings. I still think this is the DJ Morse show. Uh, they're still both sits for me. I'd love to be able to say start them. It's a really great matchup. The Vikings haven't been able to stop a nosebleed, but I just don't have the confidence with the way that the Panthers have looked so far to put these guys in lineups and hope that they're somehow going to produce for the first time this year, even if it isn't a great matchup. If I'd gotten at least just a little production, I'd be able to, with some confidence, put these guys in the lineup because it is actually a decent matchup. But since we haven't seen it before this year, even in a good matchup, it's just not one I'm banking on. I'm sitting both of these guys as well. So I skipped over the news earlier. So let's uh, run back on that a little bit. George Kittle and CEH both go to the IR. Those uh, are both expected to be only the three-week maximum that it is to be on the IR. 
we would expect those guys to be back around week nine uh, for their respective teams. Juju Smith-Schuster and Max Williams are both likely done for the year. I think Max Williams uh, broke his ankle and Juju Smith-Schuster has a bad shoulder injury going into their games. Uh, Any of these that really affect teams going forward? The George Kittle one, obviously, you know, he's one of the better tight ends in the league. But other than that, I don't really think it's too much for fantasy owners and for teams. If you were lucky enough to handcuff CEH with Darrell Williams, I would say that uh, you're probably in a fairly good position because I think Daryl Williams is comparable to what CEH does for them right now. I don't know if you're going to be missing a beat, but if you invested a high pick in George Kittle right now, I'd be afraid, very, very afraid of what's gone on with him. He just cannot stay healthy for the life of him. And his target share has completely suffered as a result of it. You're hoping that if he gets healthy, that he can return to the George Kittle that's averaging about 16 points a game when healthy, but good God, I just don't know when it's going to be the case. Delvin Cook, Sterling Shepard, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Chris Carson, and Julio Jones were all back in practice this week. Which of those guys gives you the most hope for week six? Delvin Cook. He's got a really good matchup this week as well. And just for him to be healthy and speaking for myself, I just want him healthy. Uh, Antonio Gibson and Joe Mixon, I think, actually have better matchups this week. Joe Mixon going against Detroit, who has been – usually pretty bad against the rushing, but also Antonio Gibson going against a Kansas city rush defense. That's allowed a ton of yards on the ground so far this year. I like either of those. If they're going to be back to full strength, Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley are doubtful for this week. Samaje P Ryan is out on the COVID list. Devonte Parker, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Nick Chubb, TJ Hawkinson, Tyree kill and Mike Williams all missed practice this week. Are you worried about any of these guys? Nah, not too much. It's getting to that point of the season where you're going to have little nicks and dings and you don't need to be practicing as much too. I'd be a little more concerned with they miss Friday. I think a lot of this has to do with a heavy workload for most of these guys and or their veterans. So they get kind of the veteran off day, especially we're five, six weeks into the season. I'm not really worried too much about it. The one I'd be most concerned about is Devonte Parker at the moment, but most of these guys I think are probably going to be okay for this week. Underrated studs of the week. These are guys going outside the top 10. We think could finish inside the top 10. My quarterback of the week, Sam Darnold versus the Minnesota Vikings. He hasn't had a good week in a couple of weeks. I think that he makes a decent comeback against the Vikings defense. That's been giving up a ton of points so far this year. Who is your underrated quarterback of the week? I'm going to go Joe Burrow against the Detroit lions for obvious reasons. I, his running backs are dinged up and he's going up against the lions. That should be good enough. Exactly. Uh, All right. My running back of the week, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going James Robinson again versus the Miami dolphins. I've often picked running backs against the Miami dolphins. I've also picked James Robinson. I think the last two weeks, Let me go with him again. I think this is a great game for James Robinson against the Miami Dolphins. Who is your running back of the week? Did you all see what the Cowboys did to the Giants this last week? I'm going to go with Darrell Henderson Jr. Run the damn ball against the Giants. Absolutely. My underrated wide receiver of the week is Jamar Chase versus the Detroit Lions. I still don't know who's even starting in the secondary for the Detroit Lions. And Jamar Chase has been putting up numbers like we saw from Justin Jefferson last year. I think he's the real deal. Uh, Give me Jamar Chase again. Who is your underrated wide receiver stud of the week? 
I'm going to go DK Metcalf versus the Steelers. It's a pretty decent matchup. And I do think once second string quarterbacks are into games, they look for one person that they can rely on. I think DK will be that guy. I think he'll have a lot of targets. I think that he will be one of the wide receivers that we're kind of talking about, not just because like he had a huge game where it was like four catches for 200 yards. I just think he's going to have, you know, like maybe eight catches for like 80 some yards, maybe a touchdown or something like that, but he's going to be heavily involved in the game. Yeah. I would bank on that as well. Uh, even with Geno Smith being his quarterback, my underrated tight end of the week, I have Hunter Henry against the Dallas defense, the Dallas defense. If they're allowing anything passing wise right now, it's been primarily to the middle of the field and tight ends. I, uh, if you got to give me one Patriot guy, I think this is going to be a guy who could fall in the end zone. And that's really what an underrated stud tight end is anymore. The guy most likely to fall into the end zone this weekend. So who is your underrated tight end of the week? I'm going to go Jared Cook. Just throwing it out there. You know, pretty decent matchup against Baltimore. But like you said, it's really tough to figure out tight ends. So I'm going to go Jared Cook. All right. Defensive stream of the week. These are uh, teams rostered in less than 50% of leagues that have decent matchups. I'm going to go Cincinnati versus Detroit. The Cincinnati defense is a little bit pesky. They're not the rollover team that we got the last few years. And uh, they've showed some stuff, particularly in the red zone. And Detroit has not been a consistent offense so far this year. I like Cincinnati to actually put up some pretty good points against Detroit this weekend. Who is your defensive stream of the week? Honestly, I forgot. And I feel like I always forget to do this one. For some reason, I just I always maybe skip through it. Maybe it's because you don't bullet point it. You should bullet I figured point for it sure you would go with Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, we can go with that one. I think they're only oh, yeah. rostered That's like four really percent of leagues. That's a good point. They are playing uh, Miami this week. Yeah, I'll go Jacksonville. Good one. Especially and I them up. if Tua is not playing or is picked playing. Him, excuse me. Picked him up in this league. Yeah, let's go Jacksonville. All right, long shots of the week. These are guys going outside of the top twenty that we would think will finish inside the top ten. I've actually been pretty good so far calling these. Last week I had Jamar Chase. Versus Green Bay, he ended up as wide receiver five on the week with 30.9 points. I also had Kareem Hunt, who, while he didn't finish inside the top 10, he did have 23.4 fantasy points and was running back 11. So this week, my number one long shot of the week, Taylor Heineke going against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a guy who's produced a lot of fantasy points saved for last week. Uh, I think he's a guy that can run, he can throw, he's kind of your street level quarterback. And uh, he's just kind of a fun guy to watch against the Kansas City defense that's reeling right now. I think he's going to put up a ton of points in that game. Give me Taylor Heineke. Who is your first uh, long shot of the week? I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence against Miami. I mean, we've talked about this matchup already. Somebody's got to win this game, right? And I think it's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he throws a couple of touchdowns against a very poor Miami defense. My second long shot of the week, give me Hollywood Brown. We talked about him earlier. I think he's going to have another good game against the Chargers. I think that the Chargers can be beat over the top at times in this defense. And Hollywood Brown is a guy to expose them. Again, we think there are going to be a lot of points in this game. Give me Hollywood Brown versus the Chargers. Who is your second long shot of the week? I'm going to go Tony Pollard. The New England Patriots are a very tough team to run on. So I... 
I think he's going to be a little bit more involved in the passing game. That's where I kind of have Tony Pollard. I wouldn't be surprised if he caught a touchdown out of the backfield. All right. Then for everybody's favorite game to end our previews each week, over-unders for the week. I had a terrible week last week going one and four. You had a four and one record. Just not what you want to see out of uh, yours truly, folks. So uh, just to recap, we had 49 and a half yards rushing for any Jet or Falcon individual rusher. We both took the under on this one. Both Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis went over on that one. So we both got that one wrong. But that's the only one you got wrong. 299.5 yards passing for Tom Brady. I took the under specifically because Miami gives up a lot of yards on the ground. And I thought for sure that the Buccaneers would be up early enough in this one that they would uh, start running the football a lot more. And they had a decent enough rushing attack, but Tom Brady still throw for f- over 400 yards. You took the over. You got that one. 29 and a half carries for Derrick Henry versus Jacksonville. You took the under. I took the over. And he had fucking 29. God damn it. Uh, 29 and a half yards rushing for either Trey Lance or Justin Fields versus the Vegas Raiders. We both took the over on this one. Fields had only three carries for four yards, which what the hell are you doing, Bears? Really? But Trey Lance did have 16 carries for 89 yards in that game. We both got a point on that one. Finally, uh, 56.5 points scored between the Bills and Chiefs. You took the over thinking it would be a huge scoring game. I took the under thinking it was going to be uncharacteristically a um, slow point game because the Bills might be up early in this one. And it ended up being 58 points. So once again, you beat me on that one. For the season, I am 9-10 and 10 on these. You are nine and five and Dana is three and two. So for our week six props, 249.5 passing yards for Geno Smith versus Pittsburgh over or under. I'm going to take the under that. That seems like a lot. It seems like a lot, but I imagine that Seattle's going to have to throw the ball a lot. You can throw against the Steelers and I don't, I don't know. There's going to be like one weirdly long touchdown in this game. I kind of like the over. I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to be adventurous. Okay. I got to come back. Okay. I can't have as bad as last week. 19.5 okay. fantasy points for James Robinson versus Miami. Yeah. I'll take the over on that. He's had take 20. The over on that. Yeah. He's had 20. I think the last two or three games, maybe going up against this Miami defense. I feel like that's, that's easy money. Yeah, I think so too. I probably should have set this just slightly higher to make it a little bit tougher, but I'm definitely taking the over on that one as well. Unless he somehow gets injured, which I should almost take it off the board at that point because you can't predict that. But yeah, Yeah. I think there's almost no way that James Robinson's not getting at least 20 points in this game. 99.5 receiving yards for Jamar Chase uh, versus the Detroit Lions. Over or under? I feel like he's been living on deep balls all year long. I think nine or a hundred yards is, I feel like that's pretty capable for him against the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to take the over. I think there's only one game this season that he hasn't had over a hundred yards. And most of these, he's been comfortably over a hundred yards because of the deep ball touchdowns that he does get often. I also take the over on this one. Not going to catch up. If you uh, pick with me on a lot of these, gotta, gotta give me some space, man. 37.5 points for the chiefs offense versus the Washington football team over or under that point total. I think the Chiefs are going to be really pissed off, but I don't know if they're going to score 38 to 40 points. So I'm going to take the over by that look on your face. I feel like you're taking, I mean, I'm taking the under by that look. I feel like you're taking the over. 
I think this is a Patrick Mahomes revenge game, and the yeah. Washington football team just is not good on defense right now. They give up points to everybody. So I'm definitely taking the over on this one. I think this is a 40-burger for the Chiefs. All right. Thank you for taking the under on that one, by the way. Seven and a half receptions for DJ Moore versus the Minnesota Vikings. Over or under? A lot. But, you know, he's he's been doing that so far this year. He's getting about double-digit targets and about seven catches a game. Right. You know, so, yeah, I'll take the over. I mean, the highest amount of receptions he's had so far this year is eight. The lowest he's had is five. I feel like he'll get back up to that eight mark. So I'm going to take the over. It's a good matchup. I think he's close enough to his average that I think it would bump up an extra reception on the game. I think he can comfortably get to eight, if not even double digit catches in this game. I think they'll be looking for him early and often, even though he may get shadowed by Patrick Peterson, Patrick Peterson is not the guy that he used to be. For me, this is a definite over. All right. Any remaining thoughts for the week, sir? Uh, no, not really. I guess I'd like to just in advance, I'd like to say sorry to Dana for what I'm about to do to him this weekend. But other than that, no, just excited for another week of football. Well, I'll make sure he listens to that last part. Any <laughs> thoughts on the John Gruden situation kind of before we go? Wow. You kind of got me on the spot here. Kind of as the, when it first came out, you know, I, I had a lot of thoughts. Now it's kind of, I'm kind of at a point where I'm, I'm just kind of happy that it's kind of getting over. It's really weird to me. You have a guy that's been in a position of power like that, looking over, you can say young men, because a lot of these guys are coming in, you know, like out of college, still figuring their lives out. And he has been almost like that father figure to them, like their mentor. And to hear the things that, or to read the things that he said and how he really feels when he thinks nobody is looking is super frustrating and super irritating to me, especially with the diversity that he had on his team, you know, with having the first openly gay player, with having so many minorities on his team. And then to think that you want a guy that's looking out for your safety as well. And then to hear him kind of just mock how the NFL is kind of trying to be hand or to handle the whole concussions issue and just trying to be forward and, and take care of the people. It's just, I guess to me, it's really frustrating. It's really sad too, because you think of some guy in this certain type of way and you know, everybody makes mistakes. Like I'll be the first to admit, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but this type of bullshit is just not okay. And I'm very happy with the way the Raiders handled it. And I'm really even happy with the way Mike Mayock handled that press conference too, because one, this isn't his fault. This isn't something that he has to deal with, but he sat up there and he, he answered every question as best as he could. And same with Mark Davis. And I think accountability has a lot to do with kind of getting over everything. And I, I think the Raiders have handled it very, very well. So there are better people than me who have done a lot to address the racial angles of this, the sexuality portions of this, the players versus the other parts of this. So I'm going to address one thing that I just don't think has gotten enough attention as part of this. John Gruden was an institution of football. He was basically an old guard of what football has been for a long time in the NFL. Uh, 
Uh, he's a coach that goes back to the nineties Packers. He is a coach who won a super bowl. He was with at least one of the institutionalized franchises. He was one of the more popular Monday night football personalities that we've ever had, at least going back to the original booth of Monday night football. So he's been around football and been a personality in football for a long time. And realistically, there are a lot of people that feel the way he does about everything. We've heard this on comment sections for YouTube videos and Twitter and basically the entire internet for the better part of a decade. It's not like he has strange views. What you can have is a coach who is openly anti-player as the leader of your football team. And I'll go back to something because I called my dad immediately after the news was released on Monday night. And we were talking about it. Why was he emailing Bruce Allen? And the simple fact is, is there was a fraternity among those guys. So why was he emailing Bruce Allen for no good reason when he was not in the league? He was just a member of Monday Night Football because Bruce Allen was the GM for the, at the time, Oakland Raiders when John Gruden was there. Then he moved over because John Gruden made him the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then when Bruce Allen moved to become the general manager of the Washington Redskins, at least at the time, he ended up hiring Jay Gruden eventually as his coach. So there's a long thing of, I'm going to promote the guys that I know that there's a certain family and brotherhood that's very limited and you can't break into this family or brotherhood. And I think, unfortunately, that's presented a lot of myopic views in football. We complain about it every offseason that there are not enough minority hirings. And this is why we keep getting recycled coaches that all know each other and seem to have this very echo chamber of football and football views. And so the game doesn't evolve. It doesn't take on the personalities of its fans and of its players. And we just keep recycling this over and over. So maybe by taking John Gruden out of the game and basically ruining whatever image he had left of football, we can start to break away at some of the traditionalism that no longer fits the game we have now and move forward into a game that's more responsive to the fan base the NFL seems to think it wants. That's my hope at yeah. least. Yeah, I mean, I, I I completely hear where you're coming from, 110%. But then you think of you know two of the leaders of two of the biggest franchises that are in the league, and Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones. Those two guys, they're never going to die, right? They're like 300 years old now, you know. And it's you're right. It it it's just a culture that's in the league right now that is just apparently still hanging on i do think times are changing you know where there's a lot more younger coaches that are coming into into the league like my favorite coach right now might be the chargers coach in brandon staley just listening to him talk listening to him address his players and then listening to him address this whole situation as well was very very refreshing so i do think it's it's getting it's going to get better but you know, it's just, it's really disheartening and really, really frustrating because, you know, this is a game that I love a lot, you know, and John Gruden was somebody that I thought I enjoyed listening to as well. And it's just, it's annoying. It's frustrating for the players that are on, that are on his team that he used to coach, like the Carl Nassips of the world. 
I really hope that coming back to work is there's like a weight off your shoulders a little bit. And I kind of, I really wish that you can get back to where you were just having fun playing football. But unfortunately I I don't think it's going to be that, that easy. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of come out and play this week and the rest of the year. But for sure, this isn't something that's going to go away either. And there's still a shit ton of emails that are out there that haven't been released yet. So I know there's a lot of people in a lot of high positions that are kind of shitting themselves right now, waiting to see what tomorrow's newspaper is going to say, you know, because there's a lot of stuff out there that we haven't read yet. And I think uh, John Gruden was kind of the first domino. And I would be interested to see what the NFL does or how they make this go away. I would agree with you. I definitely don't think this is the last shoe to drop in this situation, but I'll just say one other thing. You mentioned the owners and, you know, whether it's the Dan Snyders of the world or the Stan Kroenke's, the Robert Kraft's, the Jerry Jones, the old white guys who basically determine what our game is. I feel very, very lucky to be a Packers fan because more than anything, I would advocate or advocate for the public ownership of teams. The owners looked at themselves after the model of the Packers ended up being so successful and basically outlawed it in all professional American sports. But realistically, there should be investment and buy-in from fans. I think that would be much better than the system we have where it's single sole ownership or ownership groups for a lot of these teams. I, I can't imagine what it would be to be a Washington football fan for the last 20 years with Dan Snyder. It has to be one of the most excruciating experiences I can think of to go through as a fan, to have that kind of guy leading my football team and knowing that at any point he can just fuck with everything that's going on. At least with Green Bay, there is some level of accountability from the fans, even though it's really difficult to say that that's like the all powerful thing that we think it is. It's not like we can necessarily all immediately call after a a bad game for Mark Murphy's head, but he does have certain responsibilities to the fan base and has to address us in a different way by being the president of the football team than Jerry Jones will ever have to give to Cowboy fans. So I know we ended it on a sour note there. I just thought it was at least worth talking about and addressing Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to recap weeks to recap week six. But until then, good luck, everyone, um, on your matchups this weekend. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan as a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.